You're listening to Irreverent Bible Talk, a podcast that's not your grandma's Bible study, unless your grandma happens to be really, really cool. Listener discretion is advised if you object to bad words, women preachers, or terrible puns. Welcome back to Irreverent Bible Talk. I'm Josh. I'm an audio guy, and if I had to choose a wrestling name, it would probably be J.J. Rindy. I like it. I'm Jenny. I'm a Lutheran pastor, and my pro wrestling name would be The Reverend. I love it. Just stoic and badass. On this episode, we are continuing our discussion about Jacob and his epic wrestling match with God, but we're really going to dive into it this time. Yeah, it turns out I had to talk for 45 minutes about the lead up, so now we're really in it. So grab a beer, a mocktail, a cup of coffee, or your beverage of choice, and join us as we discover how the Bible is more complicated and more fascinating than you might expect. Well, welcome back. Uh, We teased it in our last episode, but uh, we're continuing our discussion with Jacob and his wrestling match and just kind of how scummy Jacob is. Um, We're not really need to discuss what we're drinking because we're still kind of continuing on our, I don't want to say bender, but. We we are recording this back to back with part one. Uh, I did run uh, down to the fridge and I got a second beer. Um, So we're still good. I'm almost done with my second ball. So let's uh, let's see how this. It's going to get sloppy in here. I'm about it. Sorry, mom and dad, but this is who I am as a person. (laughs) I know you're such a rebel making a podcast about the Bible. So where we left off, we had talked about uh, the story of Jacob in the book of Genesis and his incredibly messed up family dynamics. Pretty much everybody in his family is a swindler and he's, he's the chief among them. So... Where we left off, uh, Jacob had pissed off his brother so much that he had to flee for his life to his uncle. Now he's pissed off his uncle so much that he has to leave there and head back to uh, his hometown. But we still have not resolved that Esau thing. It has been 14 years, a little more than that, I think. But uh, we're about to find out if Esau is still mad. But before we get to that cage match, we have to deal with Jacob versus God this Sunday at the Coliseum. Exactly, exactly. The ultimate wrestling match. I think we we referred to this a little bit last time, but in in the kayfabe of God wrestling Jacob in the Coliseum, clearly Jacob is the bad guy, Mm -hmm. right? Like Jacob's the heel. Right. God's the baby face because... Oh, baby face God. I like it. <laughs> uh, this is going to be a good one. I like this story. We we are picking up in Genesis 32, and I think when we when we actually get to the wrestling match, I I want to read that part, but I'll sort of summarize the first part of Genesis 32. Jacob is on his way home, right? He knows that when he left, Esau wanted to kill him. Uh, and so I think there is some, some trepidation on Jacob's part as he is heading home. And he starts out by sending some messengers to Esau. I think he's kind of, he's trying to suss out, is Esau still pissed? And also maybe kind of butter him up a little bit. 
So he sends these messengers and says, uh, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have lived with Laban, blah, 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 I'm coming home. Uh, but he starts out with this very sort of deferential tone, right? He stole the blessing from Esau that said that actually Jacob was going to be Lord and Esau the servant. But now Jacob is flipping the language to kind of, you know, hopefully please his brother and not get murdered. As one does. And then the messengers come back and like, God bless these messengers for their devotion to the drama because what they say is, we came to your brother Esau, and he is coming to meet you with 400 men. <laughs> and they don't say, like, he seems pissed, or he seems happy, or whatever. They're just like, he's coming with 400 men. And so, of course, Jacob assumes the worst, because why wouldn't you, right? Like, your brother literally wanted to kill you, and now he's coming to meet you with 400 men. And Jacob has amassed a lot of wealth over the past 14 years. Um, he has two wives. He has 12 plus children. He's got all these flocks, camels and sheep and goats and stuff. But what he does not have is an army. Uh, and Esau appears to have a small army. So uh, Jacob gets very worried. And my interpretation of what happens is that I think Jacob is hedging his bets. I think Jacob gets this news and is like, oh shit, my brother still wants to kill me and he has 400 men with him and I'm fucked. So Jacob immediately goes into strategy mode. And, and my read on this is that Jacob is going to hedge his bets and kind of try to cover all of his bases so that he does not get murdered. So he's going to do a couple of things. The first thing that he does is he decides to split up his party. So he divides up the whole caravan, the family and the livestock and all of it, uh, into two companies. And he says, okay, well, if Esau destroys one of them the other one might still escape. So he's literally like, we're going to split into two, and then hopefully Esau will only destroy half of my shit and half of my family, and the other half will survive. I'm really surprised in this that Jacob didn't, like, go with the other party and let, like, the first half go first. Like, that just seems like something that would be in his character. Right? Like... <laughs> I'm going to send the wife that I don't like as much and the kids that I don't like as much to get killed. Uh, no, he does not do that. Uh, although maybe that would be in character for him. Mm -hmm. So he he splits everything up uh, and then he is also um, going to send a gift to Esau. And before he does that, he he prays to God. And so, again, I see this as him kind of hedging his bets. He's like, I'm going to do everything I can do as like a tricky guy. But just in case, let's also talk to God and like, hopefully that'll help. So uh, Jacob prays. Uh, this is Genesis 32, verse 9. He says, God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred, deliver me, please. From, this, from the hand of my brother, for I am afraid of him. He may come and kill us all, the mothers with the children. 
yet you have said I will surely do you good. So Jacob is kind of cashing in his promise that he got from God back at Bethel when he saw the ladder and the angels going up and down and God said, like, I am the God of your father and your grandfather. I'm going to be with you. And Jacob is saying, like, hey, God, you remember that time you promised to be with me? Could really use that right about now because I think Esau is going to murder me. He asks for God uh, to kind of intercede and basically is calling on God to be like true to God's word, which is funny because Jacob and his family have never been true to their word. They're a bunch of liars, but he he thinks better of God, at least. The first intelligent thing he's done. Yeah, yeah. So then that evening he sends a tribute. He's like, I am going to try to butter Esau up or pay him off or something. Like, I'm going to send him a present. And so it says he sent 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 camels and their colts, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys. Sent all of them, but like company by company. So Esau's not receiving one gift. Esau's receiving like eight gifts in a row. And each uh, servant who takes one of these like flocks of animals says, these belong to your servant Jacob and they're a present sent to my Lord Esau. So he's like, please, 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 please let this satisfy Esau so that he's not still angry. Which I think that that number that you're saying, like it just shows how much he screwed his uncle over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is not the sum total of what Jacob took when he left Laban's. This is the portion that he's willing to give up to his brother. And we don't know exactly, like, what, you know, percentage it is of the total. Uh, but, like, Jacob's a pretty self-serving dude. He is not giving up everything. We already know he's, like, split the group in two so that if half gets destroyed, the other half won't. So, yeah, he's clearly not putting everything he has on the line but he is going to bet enough that he feels like it might sway Esau's opinion. Just, just trying to buy forgiveness, which is where indulgence come from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, Jacob, you know, reasons to himself, I could appease Esau with uh, these gifts and afterwards I will see his face and perhaps he will accept me. So I think all of this really speaks to the fact that Jacob is fucking scared. This is a guy who has been swindling and cheating his entire life, who had no problem lying to his own father, tricking his uncle, taking advantage at every turn. He's scared. He is scared of what Esau is going to do to him. This is some like mid-manager stuff at any corporate job. Like <laughs> you burned everybody in the past and you were just hoping to like keep screwing people over to like eventually stumble forward mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah jacob would be just the worst person to work with right like he is always gonna stab a knife in your back he also takes the last coffee and doesn't like bit of coffee and doesn't make it anymore like, <laughs> i just right he never cleans out the pot he never starts another yeah what a dick <laughs> Right? Father of the nation of Israel. It's all good. So again, you know, I kind of want to 
be clear where this is just my opinion. Jacob has done all these things. My read on it is that Jacob is hedging his bets and that calling on God is just one part of him hedging his bets. So you could interpret it differently, um, and like certainly people are entitled to, but the way that I kind of read that is that Jacob's like, I'm going to do every wily, you know, con man thing I can think of, and I'm going to pray to God just in case. So to me, it seems like Jacob is still viewing God as like a resource to be exploited, um, that there is not like a real reverence there, that he's not like, I am going to, you know, put all my faith in God. God has promised to protect me. That's all I need. He's like, I'm going to do seven different things and praying to God is only one of them. Uh, So I, yeah, I kind of take this as a pretty um, calculated move on Jacob's part. I don't see him in in this lead up to the wrestling match that we're about to get to. I don't see him as being, you know, genuinely putting his trust in God in a profound way. Yeah, this is just flailing. Like, I am just trying to grab anything that I can and hope that it sticks. Maybe I can squeak by in this situation. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, well, God promised to be with me. So, like, hopefully God is reliable. But I don't really believe that because I don't live my life in a way where I'm trustworthy or reliable. And so I'm going to do everything I can anyway. And just, like, hope for the best. Okay. So, Jacob is on his way back to home. Back to where he grew up. Back to his brother. Jacob's heading home. Uh, Esau is coming to meet him with 400 men. Jacob is scared out of his mind. So, I'm going to pick up and I'm going to read the kind of key part here. uh, And then we'll talk about it. So, this is Genesis 32, starting in verse 22. The same night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the thigh muscle that is on the hip socket, because he struck Jacob on the hip socket at the thigh muscle. So there is a lot to unpack here. So, like, what strikes you? Like, where does your attention go? Well, I mean, first things first is like, okay, so he sent everybody across. He was going to go cross this, whatever, the next morning. 
also needs wrestling to somebody. Like, where the hell did this dude come from? Like, yeah, a man wrestled with him. Like, no, no lead up, no context. A man wrestled with him until daybreak. Mm-hmm. And also, like, the man, uh, as we understand it, God now, like, takes a cheap shot and like gets him in the hip, right? Because Jacob has also taken a t- cheap shot. Mm-hmm. Jacob has pinned this mysterious assailant and won't let him go. Which is a heel thing to do, which makes sense in this story. But in, in a wrestling story, like the, the, the face, the baby face doesn't like take those cheap shots all the time. So this is like great wrestling, but weird Bible story. <laughs> That's such a good tagline for this whole incident. Great wrestling, weird Bible story. I love it. This is a very mysterious moment. And it's one of those things where I think you read it and you sense that it's really important. But the more you look at it, the weirder it gets. At least that's my experience of it. Um, There are just so many questions, starting with who even is it that Jacob is wrestling with? Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't give it a clear picture in the story. Like we later on understand it as god it could be an angel it could be any kind of thing you know it doesn't give us like all of a sudden like a light shone down and there was this man that wanted to wrestle it was hey these guys were wrestling where the fuck did this character come from (laughs) who is this guy yeah right it's a very kind of mysterious moment it says a man wrestled with him until daybreak um, the word for man is ish. It's the same word from the creation story that God created man and woman. Uh, in Hebrew, that's ish and isha. So it's like, okay, this is a, a male human person. Uh, but then as they have this conversation after wrestling apparently all night, the figure renames Jacob. We're going to talk about names as being really significant. Uh, and says, you're not going to be Jacob, but Israel, because you have striven with God and with humans, or you have wrestled with God and with humans, uh, and have prevailed. And so from that, there's kind of this implication of, okay, this is this is the moment where Jacob is wrestling with God. Because up till now, Jacob hasn't really had a relationship with God. Other than the moment with Jacob's ladder... It seems like God has been sort of an afterthought. When it's convenient. Oh, yeah, when it's convenient. Exactly. So, I mean, we've clearly seen throughout his life story that Jacob is wrestling with other humans, right? From the moment he's born holding on to his brother's heel. Uh, But this idea that he's also wrestling with God, struggling with God, uh, really suggests that this is God in some capacity. A lot of people have interpreted it as an angel, right? An angelic, a heavenly figure. If it is God in God's self, that's like a pretty radical claim because I'm, I'm not aware of anywhere else in the Hebrew Bible where God is physically manifested, right? We've talked about like Moses, uh, sees God's backside. Uh, there are, yeah. Moses saw like God's butt and like his hair turned gray and he was like messed up from it. And it made his it made his skin glow. Like, yeah. Yeah. Jacob was full on like Greco style wrestling with God. Yeah. Coming from a state in the Midwest that is like very 
respected for its like tradition in wrestling. Like this is this is me being a nerd, but yeah, like it's just crazy. Like he's yeah. grappling, trying to shoot for the leg and Yeah. And it's it's very it's very visceral, right? Like wrestling is not you know, it's not a sport like you know, fencing where you're literally at arm's reach from people. Wrestling is messy. Wrestling mm-hmm. is you're getting right up in somebody's space. Even boxing in that matter. Like you're you're getting close. You're grabbing on and then trying to get even closer. Uh, when I was in seminary, I did a paper on this story of the wrestling uh, and the word in Hebrew for wrestling it literally means to get dusty. And I love that because it just adds some flavor to the the image, right? That this is Jacob and a mysterious figure down in the dirt together, right? Like kicking up clouds of dust, getting dirty. Uh, that it's very visceral. It's very kind of uh, incarnate in a sense. Obviously, as Christians, the idea of God becoming flesh, God being human, is really, really important. And there is a, a strain of that in this story, that like God is going to get down in the dirt with one of God's creatures. It's pretty remarkable. Well, and I think the fact, too, that when you think about it, like Jacob is not like this holier than thou person like you wouldn't kind of like how you know jesus would communicate with those people that weren't necessarily seen as like the clean and upstanding people jacob was had two wives he swindled his brother he screwed over his uncle he pissed off all his brother-in-laws probably his sisters-in-law and this is the guy that god still says you know what you're a dick but i can still work (laughs) through you Exactly. Exactly. And I think that is kind of the final, like, message of the story, that even Jacob can be chosen by God. Jacob's a shitbag. So this person wrestles with Jacob. It's mysterious. Like, who is he? Where did he come from? They wrestle all night. um, So they're apparently pretty evenly matched. Neither one of them can quite get the upper hand. And when this mysterious figure uh, saw that he couldn't prevail against Jacob. Then he goes for this kind of, uh, you know, underhanded move, right? He hits Jacob on the hip and actually dislocates his hip, uh, which sounds insanely painful. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know, but that doesn't sound fun. Right. And uh, the mysterious figure, maybe an angel, maybe God uh, says, let me go for day is breaking, which is also interesting. Um, it, it makes me think of like vampire rules that like once the sun comes up, right? this person is going to like turn to dust. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know. The day is breaking. It might also just be, hey, we've been wrestling all fucking night and you have to go talk to your brother. So like, let's wrap this up. I'm tired. I don't want to deal with this anymore. <laughs> but Jacob, whose hip is already out of joint, he's already had his hip dislocated, is like... I'm not letting go. And and to me, that is really kind of Jacob's whole personality distilled into one moment. That even when he has been, I think, grievously injured, he is hanging on like a, a rat terrier. He's like, I am not letting go. 
give me something for this, right? Like, I've wrestled with you all night. Give me something to show for it. Uh, this is like me wrestling with my older brothers and like just holding on to their ankle so like they can't put me in like <laughs> hey we saw this submission move on wrestling like here i'm gonna try it on you like me desperately clinging on like nope 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 you gotta you gotta say you won't hurt me first yeah jacob is like so stubborn he will not let go uh and he says i will not let you go unless you bless me which is also kind of a wild thing to say, because this is a stranger. And I get the sense that that Jacob must have an inkling of what he's actually dealing with um, to say, bless me, that this is something extraordinary, something superhuman. And the figure says, what is your name? Names are really important, right? In a lot, a lot of cultures, someone's name is kind of the key to who they are. Um, it can be a defining characteristic. It can also be kind of a, there's a power that if you know someone's name, you have power over them. That makes me think of to the, when we talked about demons and how like all the exorcists want, what's your name demon before they can exercise? Like it gives you this ability if you see somebody and you say their name like john smith they will stop right and like it's not like a, oh what's this it's like a shock yeah and i think it's also the same way that like if your parent says your full name you're like oh shit mm-hmm. right like there is that even even in a kind of modern context where we might think like oh there's nothing magical about names like if i hear my mom's voice say jennifer ann like my blood goes cold, right? Like, there is power in that. Even being called Joshua, like, it is enough to, like, freeze in the tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you add John after that, like, oh, shit. I'm just going to put my hands up behind my head. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I did, but I'm probably deserving this. Like, Yeah. So there's this, this power in names that I think we kind of understand on, like, a visceral level. Um, so the, the mysterious figure says, what's your name? Which if this is God or like a representative of God, they already know the answer, but that's not really the point. Jacob says, my name is Jacob. Uh, which again, remember that goes back to him holding on to his brother's heel when he was born, that that was kind of the origin of his name. And then this, uh, man says, not anymore. Your name is now Israel. And Israel means you have wrestled with God and humans and have prevailed. You have gotten down in the dirt. You have gotten dusty with things human and divine. uh, And that that is now going to define you. So whenever somebody gets a new name in the Bible, you know that's important. So we saw that. Abram became Abraham, Sarai became Sarah. Isaac does not get a name update, um, but now Jacob does. Jacob becomes Israel. Of course, we also see this in the New Testament that Simon becomes Peter, Saul becomes Paul, right? So these, like a change of name signifies a pretty important turning point in someone's identity. Uh, and, And this might be the ultimate example of that. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. 
And of course, Israel then becomes the name of the whole people, right? The people of Israel, um, the kingdom of Israel, and now in the modern day, the, the nation of Israel all traces back to this guy who was apparently just shitty, right? Like he sucks. But he has this, this outsized role to play. And after Jacob gets... Oh, sorry, go, 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 go. No, I was just gonna... I'll let you finish uh, wrapping up this part because I think I can relate this all in a wrestling theory. I love that. I love that. So after Jacob gets this name change, um, Jacob says, well, tell me your name, right? Like, I told you my name, now tell me your name. Which I still feel like is kind of Jacob angling, like he's trying to get a little edge in this confrontation. Uh, but the the other figure doesn't give him his name and does bless him, which is what Jacob asked for. Uh, and then Jacob gives the place a name, which is also a big thing in the Hebrew Bible, in the same way that he named the place where he had the dream Bethel, which is uh, the house of God. He calls this place uh, Peniel, and then in the next verse, it's Penuel, but it's like the same the same place. Uh, and the origin or the etymology of that is, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. So that also kind of feeds into how do we understand this wrestling match? The, the figure says, you've struggled with God, and then Jacob says, I've seen God face to face. So there's, yeah, the kind of significance of this is becoming more clear. Uh, and then and then Jacob limps away. We'll, we'll pick up from there, but please tell me your, your wrestling connection. Well, I think, you know, seeing this, like, I think this is, like, the major turning point. Obviously, he's had tons of, like, twists and turns. This is the turning point for Jacob. Like, okay, I am God's representative at this point. Like, I have to get my shit together so it reminds me of like wrestlemania 18 mm -hmm. the rock versus hollywood hulk hogan even though i'm not a hulk hogan fan <laughs> um you know after the match they had this bitter rivalry going up and at the end of the match like they get up and they shake each other's hands and it's like okay this is how it's supposed to be it's like this ultimate turning point for jacob amazing I had no context for that story, but I appreciate it so much. <laughs> I love that you knew which WrestleMania it was. That's so wonderful. I am. I was obsessed. Like So good. I had Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels posters all over my room as a child. So I love it. Child, I was older than that. <laughs> but whatever. A youth. Uh, I love that. Um, I really appreciate that my brain is full of facts about the Bible, which, to be fair, is helpful in my profession, but, like, generally pretty useless. And then, Josh, what you bring to the table is, like, actually knowing things about, you know, the wider world that's not the Bible. And I appreciate that. Oh, well, good. Um, <laughs> you know, as I, I talk to, like, my boss and my coworkers, like, my knowledge usually is worthless like hey did you know the rock fought hollywood hulk hogan like <laughs> doesn't always come up in daily conversation but it comes up in your bible podcast right and that's beautiful and that's the important thing <laughs> so i think we've, we've kind of 
gotten pretty good on this story on the wrestling match. Yeah, we have to hear the the epilogue. Yeah, I need to hear, you know, we need to talk about Jacob and Esau. Like, it's, it's coming to a head. So this has been, like, built up. Like, the drama is so high. Um, Jacob walks away from this wrestling match with a limp uh, that he has for the rest of his life. And it says, uh, this is the start of Genesis 33, immediately after the wrestling match. Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming, and 400 men with him. This is his moment of truth. I mean, like, wrestling with God, that was a pretty big deal. But meeting Esau, absolute moment of truth for Jacob. He goes ahead of his family, his wives and children, and bows himself to the ground seven times and is clearly still scared. He still thinks Esau is here to kill him. And there's this kind of beautiful, almost Hollywood moment that Esau runs to meet him and embraces him and kisses him and weeps. And it's this perfect uh, reversal of expectations that Jacob fully up till this moment believes that Esau still wants him dead. And Esau, it turns out, is is the bigger person. Esau is happy that Jacob has come home. And I don't think it's because Jacob sent all those presents or all those flattering messages, right? Like Esau has gotten over it. Esau is not angry anymore. He's happy to see his brother. And so in this moment, like, you really see, like, the strength of Esau's character. And it sort of doesn't reflect well on Jacob. Like, Jacob is, yeah, he's he's not great. Uh, but Esau's so, so happy to see him. And he weeps and he meets Jacob's family and he's so happy. And... Jacob says, you know, I, I just wanted to find favor with you. That's why I sent all that livestock. And Esau says, I have enough. In spite of losing his birthright, in spite of losing his father's blessing, in spite of getting this benediction that he's going to have to live by the sword and life is going to be hard, Esau's like, I have enough. Keep what you have for yourself. Which is like so generous and like magnanimous because Jacob has always been, like, clawing and angling for every advantage. And then Esau here is like, I don't need your shit. You don't have to bribe me. I already have what I need. So, so powerful. And um, Jacob says, this is uh, chapter 33, verse 10. Please accept my present, for truly to see your face is like seeing the face of God since you have received me with such favor. This is the guy who 10 verses ago was like, I saw God face to face. And now he meets his brother and he's like, this is like seeing God face to face. And, and I kind of see this as like, this is the moment when Jacob gets serious. This is the moment where Jacob like finally levels up as a person and is like, oh, the way that I have lived my whole life up to this point is no longer who I am. I have had this transformation. I'm not Jacob now. I'm Israel. I have struggled with God. I have seen God face to face. I have reconciled with my brother. 
this is like a new moment for him. Uh, and it's it's a really beautiful kind of conclusion to the story. Yeah. And I think a big part for me in that is that, like you said, Jacob went ahead of everybody. Like he could have, you know, maybe they'll tire themselves out after dealing with some of my servants. Like, nope, this is me. I'm going to take responsibility for this. Like, it's that that shining moment for him. Like, I'm growing up. Yeah. I mean, this this is the same guy who sent, like, a bunch of presents, like, the day before. But now, like, at the moment of truth, he does go first. So that in his mind, he still thinks he's going to die. But he's like, I'm going to go first. I'm going to be struck down before my family, before my children. And then, of course, he's not. But it's like, yeah, he he's finally, you know, being a good person. That was a crazy story. Like... It's so good. And it, it, you know, continue on. Like, it doesn't get any calmer. Like, his sons, like, that story is a whole... Yeah, there's... Trilogy of episodes somewhere. Yeah, there, there is a big lesson in the second half of Genesis about intergenerational family trauma. Um, because you just see patterns repeating from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Jacob's sons rivalries and playing favorites and you know manipulating and tricking one another um it's a mess but there there is still uh you know character growth i think jacob is a really clear example of that and i think esau is too right because esau the last time we saw him wanted to murder his brother uh which certainly has precedent in the book of of genesis right like brothers murdering brothers about stuff um but it seems like in the intervening years esau really grew up and in the last 24 hours jacob also grew up <laughs> right it's not like it's a huge it, it, it's just like it happens oh i screwed my uncle and i took his gods because you know he had something to do with that like, there's no way that Rachel was just, like, known. on her own. Like, yeah, this he is must have known. Yeah, he either knew or he was like, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> that would be so funny mm -hmm. if you sit on your father's gods <laughs> with your gross menstrual blood. If you missed part one, you should really go back and listen to it. Yeah. It probably was a lot more coherent. Because <laughs> our alcohol is running deep now. I'm fine. I am not. So I love Jacob as a character. I love the story of Jacob because he is such a mess. And part of it is just like, I think it's the same reason I love Ecclesiastes because it just feels very real. That real life is messy and people are messy. And this kind of honors that in a way. But I also really like the story of Jacob because I think it highlights who God is in contrast to hu what humanity is, right? That, like, in some ways, Jacob kind of represents the worst of us of, like, selfishness and cheating and lying and taking advantage. And in spite of all of that, God is like, I'm still sticking with you. I am the God of your father and your grandfather. And I think part of it is, like, God is faithful to those promises God made to Abraham. But I feel like it's also God saying, like, I'm going to stick with you, Jacob. I like I think God believes Jacob can be better. 
And and God is going to make that happen, even if it requires physical violence in this case. <laughs> I have to say, I have like a, a kind of personal connection to this story because when I was mm, just just turned 18, maybe 17, 17, 18, I totaled my mom's car, which I feel like is a thing you do when you're 17 or 18. Been there. Uh, the accident was my fault. Uh, but I tried to make a, a left turn that I shouldn't have made and I got T-boned on the driver's side. Um, and it actually fractured my pelvis. Don't recommend it. Don't fracture your pelvis. It's uncomfortable. But I, (laughs) I had this, uh, experience like just a few months after the accident when I was like still on crutches of encountering this story of Jacob And I had heard it before, but hearing it after I had had that accident, like the image of being struck on the hip and walking with a limp, it kind of hit me different in that moment. And I'm not saying like God wanted me to be in a car accident because that would be shitty of God. (laughs) I don't think God like wanted that to happen, but I do feel like there was something there of having this honestly kind of traumatic experience and that shaping my identity and like my understanding of myself. And so I do think that those kinds of like that kind of growth can come out of bad experiences. Again, I don't think God wants us to have bad experiences, but I do think God can like work with those things. So that's, I think, part of the reason that I've always been drawn to this story is because I have this, like, real visceral connection to, like, being struck on the hip and (laughs) that being, uh, like, a pretty important moment. I can't think of a better way to wrap everything up. I do want to hear what you were going to say before my story. Oh, no, I think that was it. Like, I think I was working my way to, like, tying it in a bow, but you even said it even better. So Awesome. Josh, thank you for indulging me on another one of my favorite Bible passages. Absolutely. Um, yeah, this is a, it's always been a really interesting story, so I think it's always fun. Um, we uh, will definitely have to revisit. I want to talk about Abraham and Sarah and Hagar. I want to talk about Joseph and his brothers. Like, there's a lot still there in that, that family tree, uh, but you'll have to stay tuned for a future episode. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. I know Jenny does as well. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, ideas, complaints, let us know. Our email is in the information below in the details. So send us a send us a quick note if you have anything. But yeah, this has been really great. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, Josh. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to Irreverent Bible Talk. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or find us at soundcloud.com slash irreverentbible. And remember, just like Balaam and his donkey learned, sometimes even God communicates through a talking ass.